let's get down right down to business. The pre-show is over. Uh, my name's Ken Steep. Today we're going to be talking about some puppy training basics and how you can apply the train rule to everything you're doing. Even if you're training an older dog, you can apply this train rule to get super reliable, super reliable skills. I'm Ken Steep. <laughs> I'm Kel McCann. And welcome back to McCann Dogs. Here's a little uh, snippet of information for you guys who don't, who uh, have listened to that bark bark forever and uh, are like, wow, that's such an annoying thing. I actually, that's me playing a G, a G chord on, on my guitar. It doesn't, I almost said a G string, <laughs> playing a totally different thing, a G chord on my guitar, but it, one of the strings is out of tune. So it's just a little bit wrong. And then that's hippie shake barking in the background. So yeah. that's a little snippet for those of you who are in the train station I today. I smile every time I hear it. You know it exactly like what's going on here. Now I want to welcome Shelly, Marianne, Eden, uh, Madison, Melanie, Justine, Alper, Shandy Blake, uh, Francine, Hi, Beth, Lisa, Cynthia, uh, Tona, Tudor, and Justine everybody Walker. else, yeah, everybody else who's, who's here. Let's jump into some puppy training. Now, if this is maybe the first time you've stumbled across the channel, my name's Ken Steep. I'm a professional dog trainer, and this is Kale McCann. Uh, we teach at uh, her family business, uh, McCann Professional Dog Trainers, where we get to help more than 500 dogs every single week to overcome their dog training challenges. So mm. we'd like to take some time in the train station to uh, you know, answer some of your questions. We'd love to, uh, to be able to you know, help you overcome some of these things, and the train station is the place to do it. Uh, we have lots of pre-recorded content one video a week but if you have like some challenge that you're facing or some question that you might have about puppy training uh tonight would be the night tonight is uh you know we're going to focus on puppy training and using that train principle um so let's get into uh our question of the day what is the question of the day the question i never know this ahead of time i know this is always exciting for kale to find out so what is the number one skill you struggle with and let's apply the train rule i and love it very soon you're going to learn what the train rule train rule is specifically so i'm kind of pumped to get that That's going good. It's yeah really good. uh actually you know what i see some people dropping uh their locations in the chat let's do let's do a roll call where are you watching from i see jessica is watching from colorado i um, see marianne moran from fairbanks alaska very cool you know what i got sent an instagram picture today uh, from someone who watches in germany no way yeah beautiful little wheat interior uh competed in agility in germany before oh, cool very cool mm -hmm. yeah really cool beautiful Re awesome. really really nice picture but we love seeing that from you guys who are joining us from all over the world it's really exciting to uh welcome you here to the train station yeah to, to, this one's for tutor we forgot to say if you're going to uh answer the question of the day uh right what are they supposed to write at Q uh, yeah, uh, just yeah do because uh, we can see it easier qotd -Q and i may have changed it to question of the week whatever oh. qotd mm -hmm. and we will know exactly what your uh what your question is and how we can apply the train roll so we're gonna oh, perfect we're gonna literally Thanks, oh dan. perfect yeah dan the man coming to the rescue yeah he's all um over. we are going to answer those questions we'll get through the train principle a little bit and when we when we start rolling out that information you may be able to figure out where to go next but uh it's amazing once you apply this rule <laughs> to your training uh it's amazing how consi consistent your skills will be i we see lots of interesting from places turkey costa rica yeah Stony Guelph, Creek, South hamilton Georgia. ontario boring betty ann it's not boring that's where we are that instantly <laughs> makes it well cooler. we're not in hamilton but we're very very close <laughs> we are very close um illinois Toronto, oklahoma south carolina nigeria Costa Rica, wow! All Vegas. sorts of interesting. All sorts of Ken took me to places. Vegas for my thirtieth birthday. Yeah, it was a lot it of was fun. So fun. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, okay, let's get into. Um, let's drop some stuff on the screen and let's get into some training. Are you guys ready for that? I, I hope you are, because it's about to happen. Either way, 
So, uh, bringing new things to the train station. This is my first attempt at a uh, single graphic. So, talking about the train rule. And the train rule is T-R-A-I-N. And let's look at the T and, and we'll see where we can go uh, with this. So, the first T in the train rule is teach. So, this is definitely going to be the most common step uh, that all of us probably do with our dogs. This is where we're, you know, using luring. We're using, it could be any methodology. That's what's shaping, so, shaping, capturing. For sure. That's what's so great about applying this uh, rule to your training because uh, no matter what you're doing, you can apply this. So, the teaching part is certainly, it's probably we've all been there. I mean, with, with all of these steps. Um, so often we hear, Someone will say like, oh, my dog's pretty stubborn. That's why I had to come to you guys. He just mm. won't do what my I ask him to do. My dog's not smart or Yeah, whatever. for sure. And what's maybe happening is that you're skipping a step. So mm -hmm. if you make sure you make it through the whole train rule that we're going to talk about tonight, then you are way more likely to get have success. You're way more likely to have reliable skills. And that's ultimately what we want. Yeah, and I think it's important too. You know, some people will say, well, you know, my dog's not doing this. My dog's not doing that. And, you know, I often will reply, well, what? Uh, have you trained this aspect of it or have you trained this? Well, no. So you have to remember that when dogs start first come into your family, well, they don't know really anything. They don't really know what their name is. They don't know the rules of the house. So our job is to train our dogs to understand what to do in so many different contexts. So um, train or teach seems like a pretty easy one, but it's kind of the, the, the base of everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so whether you're following food, luring, whatever, the, what's important is that you, before you leave this step, before you leave the teach the, in, in train, uh, that you really, your puppy has a clear understanding. Mm -hmm. Your puppy really knows what you expect of them. Uh, and this is best done in like a quiet place where you can be successful, where yeah. there aren't like a bunch of no things distractions. to distract your puppy. Yeah, our one like to give you an example, one of our favorite places to start teaching our dogs to walk on a loose leash or even to come when they're called is we have a long hallway in our house and that's like the training hallway. Ah, when we have yeah. a new puppy, we will do like little uh, restraint recalls oh, back and forth. Shandy Blake dropping the super chat with $5. No way. Yeah. Look, you, and if you drop a super oh. chat, you light up the train station <laughs> for Shandy Blake. I, I sounded thank you. like a, tr a train whistle there. Thank you, Shandy. Thank you very much, Shandy Blake. And look at the, the lights are going. Oh. This is the fun we get to have here in the swimming in corgi. The train station. I know that's so much fun. <laughs> but uh, and thank you, Shandy, for that. That's super helpful. And, and uh, you know, these super chats are definitely help us to, you know, bring new features to the train yeah. station. So, uh, you know, if you uh, we, we definitely appreciate uh, all of those donations. Thank that's you so much. That's always so fun. Yeah. So anyways, I, I was talking about um, our training hallway. <laughs> so we practice our recalls. We close all the doors. We get rid of all the other animals in the house. And uh, Ken goes at one end of the hallway. I go at the other end of the hallway. And we literally just call our puppy back and forth and back and forth, teaching them their name and building value and making it fun to run to us. Um, but there's no other distractions around. So they do it right over and over and over again, building a strong understanding and teaching the puppy to really love what they're doing. Because that's really, you know, one of the ways that you're going to get your dog to rehearse something is by making that behavior really enjoyable for them. So that's that's something that we do a lot with our own dogs. For sure. Absolutely. So we've covered the teach part of train. Now let's move on to the R. 
And that's rehearse. And this is uh, such an important thing to do with your dog, no matter what skill you're working on. You know, you, you can't get through some of these things in one training session. You can't get through some of these things if you're only teaching your puppy or your dog in training to like to sit in your uh, kitchen, you know, or, or in your hallway, whatever the thing is. Um, I'm going to bring us back for a second. I'm getting used to this. I'm <laughs> trying to add features and things are happening. Um, <laughs> But rehearsal is so important. Dogs mm -hmm. need repetitions of uh, and rehearsal of these skills to really have a fuller understanding, you know, of what you expect mm -hmm. uh, uh, for your dog. Talk. I don't know. I mean, agility is a great example. Absolutely, rehearsal is really, really important. Um, you know, when we're teaching our dog something new, we try to break down the behavior into small pieces, and then we practice each of those pieces, building as we go. Um, and then sometimes, what often happens is if your dog is used to that style of training my dogs are really used to rehearsal um so often what will happen if i do something you know one way three times for example the dog often goes oh i know what you're gonna tell me to do and they'll start to guess and so sometimes i'll even sort of switch up how i re rehearse and try it a slightly different way um but rehearsal is really really important because it allows the dog to really get a stronger understanding and that's going to build into a little bit more independence which we'll talk about in one of the other letters for sure yeah absolutely so rehearsal and I mean, we all, I think we all kind of know this, the repetitions that you put in, uh, in the other great thing is you're going to see your dog being more responsive, mm -hmm. having a better understanding, you know, as you work through some of these exercises. Um, so you make sure that you're not a step skipper as you make your way through this training. So, uh, why do you sound like, um, like a pirate? Yeah. Or that. So I, I don't, I don't remember where it comes from. It's from a cartoon somewhere. I can just see it in mm -hmm. or hear it in my head. And, and, and he says back scratcher, back scratcher. So I love I feel back like, scratches. Yeah, I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> But today we're talking about the step skippers <laughs> and don't skip any of these steps because you will be much more successful with your dog training. So I'm seeing some great questions coming in. Um, why don't, let's get through the uh, the uh, the uh, next one okay. and then we'll come back and uh, and we'll start answering some of your questions that are coming in in the chat. Funky Monkey likes your skips, uh, step, step skipper. skipper. Step skipper. She often gets really excited. She's just <laughs> off camera and you guys will hear her. So getting a. to... A and A means add distractions. Now this, this is, is a good one. This is such a crucial part of your dog training. Uh, I can't um, I can't stress it enough how important it is to be able to add some um, challenges into your training. You know, while you've taught your dog to uh, what what the, whatever the outcome is that you want. So let's just use as an example, sit sit in one position. Mm -hmm. So with the sit, we've shown our dog we've trained that muscle memory with them. That's a great part about the rehearsal as well. Mm -hmm. It's really uh, you know showing them exactly how we like want them to. Almost. Yeah, and very familiar. Mm -hmm. um, so now we've got them sitting, we've rehearsed it several times, and now we need to uh, add some distractions in. Yep. Um, something that I want to just sort of take a short step back on, and this will come uh, uh, sort of to the part of adding distractions, but when we're talking about rehearsal, rehearse it in many different places mm -hmm. um, because this in rehearse and add distraction sort of blends together a little bit. So if my dog's sitting really well in the kitchen or maybe it's walking on leash, whatever the thing is, my dog's performing it really well in a quiet environment. You need to bring it into some new places, bring it into some new, uh, you know, bring in some new challenges um, and really make it, uh, you know, about reinforcing great behaviors out in the backyard as well as, mm -hmm. you know, in your front driveway or maybe it's on the sidewalk in front of your house or, I mean, we don't have a sidewalk, so maybe it's, you know, um, at the neighbor's house uh, with permission, of course. 
But, you know, adding some of these distractions, maybe they're environmental, maybe maybe it's pre-placed. Mm-hmm. I like these ones. Controlling your environment a little bit. Yeah, I love doing that. So you can, you can really reinforce a behavior by, uh, you know, uh, teaching your dog. Let's, again, sit. We'll just use a sit specifically, and then we'll jump into some of your specific requests. But you've got them, to, you've t- taught them to sit in your living room, and now you've rehearsed it a bit. Kitchen, hallway, downstairs, upstairs. Now you're going to take it into the backyard, and you can pre-place some distractions for them to really help them to understand what your expectation is. Yeah, I really like doing this for teaching my dog to walk on a loose leash. So I mentioned earlier, you know, I'll practice up and down the hallway where there's literally nothing going on. Um, and then I might practice in the in the driveway rather than going for my half hour walk like around the block where I'm going to be faced with a bunch of distractions that could be almost a surprise sometimes. And I might not be ready to conquer those yet. I might just walk around my driveway for 20 minutes. And if my dog's doing really well at that, I'm going up and down in different directions. I might bring out some of my dog's favorite toys and kind of plant them in different places. Or we really like to put um, treats in like an old Tupperware container and then poke holes in the top so that it's really smelly, but that the dog can't go and grab the treats without uh, without permission. Um, and then you can practice walking around that. So uh, it's a really good idea when your dog's starting to learn a behavior that you start to proof the behavior so that it's not just, they can't just do it when you're holding a bag of treats in your hand or when you're right in front of them or when there's nothing going on. A well-trained dog is a dog that can do a behavior in any situation the first time that you ask and can do it happily and willingly as well. So um, the distractions part is going to get into that proofing phase. So your dog's going to understand and be able to do that behavior even though there's other stuff going on uh, at the same time. And that's going to um, sort of blend into the next the next part of the the face for sure let's uh let's jump into the questions i I, i've uh now the questions are going a little bit quickly um so i'm gonna grab uh, as many as i can and try to put them in the queue that way uh, we can answer them now if you have a question uh so today the question of the day is uh, what is your number one skill that you struggle with and we'll help you to apply the train rule to your specific scenario so if you're sort of watching thinking oh boy i don't know if this is a great uh struggle or challenge i bet there's lots of other people that have a similar thing so if you Mm -hmm. ask your question you may be helping out some of the other viewers um so let's jump into this. So Eden Fraser says, Ollie loves to greet everyone he knows very enth- everyone he knows very enthusiastically, which isn't the best being an assistance dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, teaching Ollie to sort of not be so excited when he greets. So we um, do an exercise in our classes called um, sit and accept praise, and we also work on a leave it as well, so that the dogs are learning to assume a more controlled position at the handler's left side. And when they're there um, and they're in that control position, they are to hold a sit on a loose leash even though there may be distractions around and as we build into the program one of the distractions that we use with the dogs is having people walk up and stand in front of them or try to pet them or you know hand things to the to the student so that the dogs start learning to sit quietly um, and allow all this stuff to happen in front of them and if the dog struggles one of the very first things that we'll do is reduce the distance so we'll have the person sit further away uh, with the dog and then have the distraction at a little bit more of a, an achievable distance, have the person reward the dog very generously and then slowly bridge the gap and have that distraction come a little bit closer. Um, some dogs are super distracted by toys. Some 
some food and there's some dogs that like other people is just the be all end all like that is yeah. just the most exciting thing yeah so you might need to train um different distances depending on what distraction you're using it might be that like you can have toys and food right in front of the dog's face and going crazy and the dog's perfect but the person comes you might have to start with them a little bit further away uh, but just what's really important is that if the dog is making mistakes that we're um helping them quickly so the moment the dog leaves the position that we want them to assume we would just very quickly repeat sit and shorten up and place them gently back into our side and dogs learn within one second so we need to reward within a second of a good choice and we need to um, redirect or correct within a second of a bad choice so in this case your dog's right beside you so it's really easy you just shorten up and place them back and the dogs really figure it out very quickly every time they get up you put them back and a light bulb goes on and they go huh I think maybe you want me to hold a sit here, and when oh, that happens, ah, another, another one. Another super chat. Lighten oh up my the God, train it's going station. Crazy. Woo! From Beth Door. Well, thank, thank you, you very much, Beth. We want to uh, welcome you and thank you for thank joining God us for here the flashing lights. at the train station. And I get to toot my whistle. <laughs> so okay, thank you it's so, so much. It's so fun. That's really really nice. Thank you, Beth. We certainly so appreciate it. And you get the swimming corgi. So Look at him swim. That, He's a swimmer. Um, great question. Thank you very much, Beth. And thank you, Eden, because you set us up perfectly for that uh, getting to the ad distractions part. Yeah. Because that's where you are with your training. You need yeah. to start re rehearsal, you know, rehearsing the good stuff without Ollie leaving your side. And uh, it, it, adding some distractions, bringing people in closer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Kale, you just were speaking of a light bulb going ah, on. Ah, you're and right. And Beth made the light bulbs go on and off. Oh, that was pretty good. Multi-talented. Well um, Beth says, I can't even begin to tell you how much McCann uh, dogs have helped me. Well, thank you, Beth. It's oh, so nice so to great. hear. Really, really nice. We aim to please. We do. Keep so, sticking around and asking us more yeah, questions. Hopefully, Because we'll... we have lots of answers. Yeah, keep helping Most of you. them are correct. Um, I'm going to jump to this one. Now, this isn't something we'd necessarily apply train to, but uh, let's, let's, I know you've answered this in, in previous train stations. Mm -hmm. how, from Cynthia Strickland, how do you stop a nervous pee? Um, this often has to do with dogs that are a little bit more um, apprehensive or nervous, obviously. Uh, so most often we find this happens when people are trying to greet the puppy. So a couple just quick fixes. Um, would be to discourage people from leaning over and um, bending over into the, the puppy's space. That can sometimes be a little bit intimidating when you have a dog that's already really soft in nature and then they're sort of feeling a bit crowded. Um, also encourage people to greet your puppy in a really calm um, speaking voice and calm manner as well. Unfortunately, human beings, when they see puppies, their voices go up a few octaves and their arms flail. It's hard to not and, get like, excited. They just literally turn into crazy people yes. and uh, I'm guilty for it too but um, it's not really helpful for a dog that could be overwhelmed by that so when you have a dog that's nervous people should just approach calmly even ignore the puppy um, you know, yeah it's amazing how helpful just that step can be because you break that cycle it's for the massive puppy. because yeah. people often re reach over and they go oh hi puppy 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 and that's like that's exactly what the puppy doesn't want and then that makes them nervous and then for some puppies it makes them it makes them peace so, um, you know, discouraging that really makes a big difference. You know, generally dogs get a little bit better with that as they get older. They get a little bit more control of their bladder. But it doesn't necessarily mean they're magically going to not be nervous anymore. That's going to take a little bit of work. Um, but there's a couple tips just to get you started. Absolutely, yeah. um, Helping the puppy, putting the puppy in, in a good situation um, where it's not going to get worse. Totally. Great. Okay. Um, 
Let's go to Chelsea Clark, who asks, how to teach a puppy to pee on a grass patch on the back patio? He'll go as soon as we leave the gate, uh, but he won't use it on the patio at all. Um, and, and this is something we actually uh, taught with the um, teacher dog to go potty on command. Mm-hmm. Um, if we, is if, your neck stiff? No, no. Oh. Why? You just look like you're funny looking oh, no. at me. I, I am funny looking. I think these guys will agree. <laughs> Um, if you bring your dog to that location and allow them to, uh, even if you start with that, it sounds like a patch, like a specific patch that maybe she's moving around, pee on a grass patch in the back patio. Yeah, so if you can even take that to somewhere where your puppy already uh, likes to go pee, and you can rehearse that, capture that behavior. So when your puppy starts to go pee, you can start to praise, and we use the term good potty or good hurry up. And, you know, we'll praise it, praise it over and over again. And then we'll, uh, and this is, the, the dog needs to start to go potty before you add that word. But what your dog's going to start to do is associate that word with that action. And then you can start to, uh, you know, get to a point in a nice and quiet environment. And you, you get that, uh, the, the, the cue, which is uh, the, well, in this case, they start going potty and then they go pee. You start to bring the cue in the, uh, in the action a little bit closer together. And you can ask your dog eventually when you are practicing it in a quiet environment, because that's so important. But you can uh, tell your dog to go potty or go hurry up. Now, you don't want to repeat yourself too many times, but you're going to discover that those things flip-flop. They switch and you can start to ask your dog to go potty and she'll she'll or he'll start to do it he'll start to do it when you're doing that as that grass patch is in whatever location start to bring it closer and closer and closer to whatever the uh, final spot is that you want to use that grass patch on and you'll start to see that that skill not only now do you have a, uh, a dog that goes potty on command but he'll start to associate that grass patch with that action yeah, and the other thing you can do is, you know, take advantage of times in the day where you know your dog has to go to the bathroom. That's a great idea. Like morning, for example, and take them out and and take him right to that spot right away so that he doesn't have an opportunity to relieve himself anywhere else. Um, and if he has to go bad enough, he's just going to kind of go to where, you know, it, it's it's the easiest. Yeah. And that's another way to start to break him into the habit of um, going to the bathroom in that spot. Did you say first thing in the morning? I did. Okay, yeah, good. I just missed that part as I was oh. reading. Yeah, because that, that is a great time because you know they've got to go. So from Beth Dorr, one of our super chatters tonight, trying to keep too many schnauzers calm. I can train separately, but when they get together, it all goes out the window. Mm. So this is going to be a great way to apply our teach and rehearse and then add distractions. Now, if you've got a maybe someone you can train with or, uh, you know, you can keep one of your schnauzers in a location where they can't really dive bomb your training. Mm. That's a great way to start adding those like distractions. Like an X-Pen or a dog run or even a crate if your dog behaves in the crate. That would be a really good way to sort of bring them close together and sort of use one another as a distraction opposed to having them both on the leash in really, really co- close quarters. But having a second person, as Ken suggested, um, can also be helpful. That's probably maybe not always convenient, but that would be a good option. Um, and then you could also consider the training equipment that you're using as well. So if you find that, um, you know, just having them on a regular leash Leash, walking them side by side is really difficult. You could even try something like the gentle leader and have them wear that so that you can control them and calm them a little bit more without getting into a big tussle with them. Yeah, the other thing I just thought of as Kale was talking is be careful that you're not setting yourself up to be training the wrong behavior. We talked about rehearse a little bit, the R in our uh, train acronym and or the yar in our train acronym (laughs) um and what you don't want to be doing is allowing those two to be together and then you're calling one of them off and they're not listening because 
essentially embracing all that great work right you've been working so hard to get those great responses and basically they're finding one another pretty entertaining and pretty engaging and um, of lots of value and if you're asking them or trying to call them and it's not working then you just need to stop right there and make sure they're both on lines and then you can separate them work on that skill specifically but be careful that you're not rehearsing the bad stuff where you call and say Sid and ask Mm -hmm. for all these things but the uh, the rehearsal isn't enough and the added uh, it's too much distraction the other does far too much distraction too far point. along the the train acronym than yeah. what you're ready for. Yeah, well, we're going to get to the I in the end very soon. I just want to answer a few more of these questions. Uh, I wanted to drop this one in there just because Shady Blake. She did that after we went crazy from her uh, uh, yes her super chat. I did see that. <laughs> so from Triple uh, Zero Cloudy, I see I got a oops. I have to send that again. I've got a five-month-old pup that doesn't like to be touched. He doesn't bite, just runs away. I go to the park, uh, uh, walk every day to make sure uh, that she sees people every day, uh, only on her, on her terms, uh, will sh- uh, she will approach them. Are there any tips? And what would you talk? So there's a couple things, I think, uh, that you sh- really should be working on. One is handling, mm-hmm. some gentle, non-invasive handling, simply taking her collar, simply petting her. The, one of the problems is that, uh, you know, if you go to do some handling and your dog's like, I, I don't like that, you know, leave me alone. And then you, you're like, okay, sorry, buddy. Um, your dog will very quickly learn that every time they're like, hey, get away from me, they get exactly what they want. There might be times when you have to handle your dog. Maybe you need to check their paws. Maybe you need to take their collar. Maybe you need to pick them up. Who knows? You just can't predict what sort of handling you'll need to do. Mm -hmm. But simply spending some time uh, every day, again, it could be just gentle petting, rewarding for that. Uh, um, Maybe taking their collar. Uh, We have a handling video on the channel. I think it'll be really, really helpful for you. And I would definitely try some of that handling uh, at like a mealtime. So maybe your dog's breakfast or dinner. You can just do a little bit of handling. And maybe our uh, uh, moderator man, and he may have dropped it in the chat already. I see I see. there's a few things. But Dan, if you, uh, if you haven't already, which he probably has, if you could drop the handling uh, video in the chat for uh, Claudia, I think, you're, I think it's going to be really helpful for you. Yeah, and I think it's also really important. I think you sort of touched base on the end that you're sort of letting the puppy kind of do things on their terms in a way that's good uh, because it kind of sounds a bit like the dog's nervous running away is usually a a sign of the dog's a bit worried. So you don't want to be forcing um, the puppy to be in situations that they're really not ready for. That could actually um, create more issues. So just take it slow. If you go to the park every day, that's fine. But don't you don't have to go up to every person you see, every dog that you see. Allow the dog just to sort of be in that environment and not have to feel stress. Right. Um, build the confidence up, and then you will start to notice a change in the puppy um, in their confidence. And then you can st- maybe start to build in things slowly. But there is such things as flooding where people will just sort of put their dog into a situation where. Um, maybe they're not ready for. And although we think it's helpful, it actually does the complete opposite. Right. So just just it's be aware of that. Take it take it very gradually. For sure. No, I'm glad you added that. Um, You're welcome, hon. Thanks, Kale. <laughs> <laughs> Question of the day from Madison Winters. I'm getting a uh, my border collie puppy in June, and my parents have no experience with training a dog. I think it comes; they think it comes trained. And I'm trying to control <laughs> what I do, uh, unsuccessful things. I missed the end there. Did you catch it? Uh, trying to control what I do, like unsuccessful thugs for training. Help. Yeah, I, you know, Madison, I'd just be really clear about what your expectations are, what your hopes are with your puppy. 
and uh, be 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 a great communicator about what mm-hmm. you want to do with your puppy, what expectations you have, you know, what your goals are with, with whatever it is, whether it's agility or even the simple uh, obedience stuff, um, and and you know try to manage it as best you can. And I think they'll. I mean, as long as you communicate with them, I, I suspect they'll be much more respectful of your wishes with your puppy. So uh, let them know exactly what you want to do with that. I find, too, if you have people that are a little bit unsure about things, sometimes if you involve them in some training so that they understand, um, they understand kind of what your goals are, what your expectations are, and they can sort of be involved in some things with the puppy, maybe have them do some tricks with the pup or have them hold your puppy while you do restraint recalls. Like yeah, those I like types that idea. of things because um, it will involve your, your parents a little bit and it will also teach the puppy to kind of get to know them a little bit as well which often once the puppy starts to like them then it's really easy to like be into it back so uh, there's there, that's a couple things you can try and then you know if the puppy's your responsibility then you can uh, you can just decide what happens and what doesn't happen put the crate in your room that's what i did with Azul. i my my when i was very young my i was lucky though my entire family trained dogs so i didn't have to worry about other people not knowing what to do but i really wanted to do it myself so i had the my crate in my bedroom and i would feed the dog and walk the dog and my dad would be walking like our 10 other dogs and he would ask you want me to walk your dog and i'd say nope i'm gonna do it <laughs> I don't know why I was yeah, like that. No, that's, I, um, the other thing I just thought about, I see a follow-up question from Claudia, and I'm going to answer that in just a second or, or speak to it in just a second. But um, the other thing I find as a dog trainer who ha- we have all sorts of families come in, um, if one of, uh, you know, uh, someone comes in to train their dog and their spouse is not that interested mm-hmm. in, in following the rules. It happens more than no. Yeah, it happens quite a lot. Um, and what, what's so, such a powerful thing is to tell them the why. Mm-hmm. You know, can can you uh, not allow our not allow the dog to jump on the couch? And here's why. You know, uh, we're I'm struggling a little bit with leadership skills, or you know, the dog's not doing a great job listening. And here's what here's what we can do instead. You know, uh, you know, we can work some on some of these things, or maybe they can lie on their own bed, or whatever the thing is. But if you really um, you really let them know the why behind it, uh, I think it'll be a lot more successful because it just makes a lot more sense. And remember, at the end of the day, everything that we're doing is for the benefit of the dog. The dog comes first in our mind. So, you know, if the dogs are getting mixed messages from different family members or friends or whatever it might be, um, it can create confusion for your dog and then it can really slow progression or send it in the wrong direction. So um, it's important that we're doing what is best for the dog's learning. And sometimes if you spin it that way for people when they're kind of not really understanding standing you know everybody has a soft heart when it comes to the dog so usually people are more open to it then they want you to be successful i just wanted this to follow from claudia uh thanks uh, he would uh, say it's a more social anxiety thing so kale spoke to flooding and a little bit of desensitization for claudia and i think that's going to be really helpful find a distance where your dog can be successful and start working on some skills do some like stationary exercises build confidence uh you know at a great enough distance where your dog's like okay i can do this this is not that frightening and then you can start to reduce that distance over time but uh, this is the um adding distractions part or maybe partially the rehearsal part you need to rehearse the good stuff help your dog to be right at a distance away from those other things that you feel that your dog might be anxious about um that they're they're able to to do it right absolutely um, okay we're going to jump right back into the eye in just one second i want to answer some of these before we move on recall around other dogs when working at grade two my dog murph high-minded has a good recall except around other dogs not sure how to practice this so that he can be successful now what would you what advice would you give to melanie for uh, on that question um well 
When you're working around, um, if you're trying to specifically work around other dogs, it is very helpful to do that if you're practicing around dogs that also have some type of training as well, um, or the other dogs can be immobilized. Because if you're trying to practice your recall and the dogs that you're practicing around are, you know, running and chasing your dog and sort of making things <laughs> more challenging, you're not going to have a lot of success. Um, you could also take your dog to an area where there could be like, you could go to like an off-leash park, for example, but don't go inside the off-leash park, go outside. Yeah. So all of the other dogs are contained behind the fence. They're doing their own thing. And you find a spot somewhere around and practice your recall. And if you're a grade two student, um, you need to go back to putting the long line on, saying come, adding your automatic pop to ensure that they turn. Yeah. And then make sure that there is enough motivation and drive to get to you that it's it's worth your while maybe consider what reward are you using how is your timing um what are you doing when your dog gets to you are you just grabbing the dog right away or are you really building a lot of value for sitting in front by eden um you know think about all of the steps why is your dog choosing other dogs over you right why is that happening um so those are some, some things to consider. Um, and then on top of that, not allowing your dog to rehearse it doing wrong. So if your dog does not have a reliable exactly recall. Exactly where I was going, yeah. Gosh, we're, yeah. we're, we're just like, like, connected we're like at the one. Head. That's weird. That's really <laughs> weird. Um, so if you're not getting the dog to make a good choice, you know, off leash or around other dogs and with their recall, then you need to take that, that luxury away from them until you have a chance to work through it. Yeah. Because sometimes it's just easier to let the dog go and, you know, not really worry about it, but you're not fixing your problem. In fact, you're, you're sort of going to make it harder, harder to fix because you're making it worse. So, um, remove that possibility from the dog and, um, and try to train through it. And we talked about step skipping when we were applying this train rule to your dog training. I feel like maybe, uh, you know, if you get too far, if you get to the ad distractions, which is other dogs, um, you can, you need, you're not successful, take a step back. So rehearsing multiple recalls in environments with no distractions, and then you can start to in include some other distractions that aren't other dogs. The worst thing you can, and we sort of touched on this a little bit earlier um, with the question from Beth, but the worst thing that you can do is set your dog up to, uh, when you're not sure what the result is going to be, and then test them when you have been unsuccessful in the past. So if your dogs are chasing around other dogs and playing and having a great time, if you call come and you aren't 100% sure, uh, in their in training and you're not sure that they're going to come, then you need to do some training. Put a put a long line back on them. Work some rehearsal. Add some distractions. But in the training phase, as we're working through this, make sure that you're uh, always setting your dog up so that. If you're not sure what result you're going to get, uh, you can help them to be successful because the worst thing that you can do is water down all that hard work that you've done by uh, setting them up to uh, maybe make a mistake. Uh, we're going to get, so when we get to the end, we're going to talk a little bit about how dynamic the process of dog training is. And um, uh, instructor Shannon and I uh, recorded a podcast earlier last week or something as well last couple weeks ago, whatever. And we talked about dog skills are use it or lose it. You know, there are times yep. when uh, if you haven't used a certain skill in a long, long time and you ask your dog to do it, they might not do it because it's been so long. It's just like if you were to take um, a, uh, an algebra test once once a year and in the rest of your year, you aren't paying much attention to your math skills, you're going to want to brush up on some of the stuff. So you need to be training things. You need to be like going out and trying out some of your whatever skill is that you're working on. Recalls is a great example. And when, yeah. we, when we get 
a little bit further in tonight's show, um, I'm going to tell you what Kale and I do to prevent that so that we don't lose those skills. So I see a couple questions, Marianne, Deborah. I'm going to get back to those, but I don't want to miss out on the next step. And I don't remember where I set it up. So let's get to the I. Increase expectations. So this might be, we, we talked about um, how you can add distractions. Maybe this is uh, increasing your distraction level. Maybe this is um, increasing, having an expectation that your dog's going to do, uh, is going to sit faster, is going to run in on your recall with more enthusiasm. And mm-hmm. you can reward them as such. And this is, this is an important part. So as we made it to uh, increase expectations, I want you to keep in mind that when you're getting, a, it, it, this is a great way to build drive, build mm-hmm. build um, uh, desire and drive mm-hmm. for uh, your dog doing behaviors is you move that bar up just a little bit. And each and every time uh, you are, the next time your dog gives you a great result, they, uh, they, um, sit really fast maybe they um you know bring whatever the toy back bring really the toy back really excitedly you can treat they them do a really fast dog walk right you can treat them like that's a really big deal you know you can really you can jackpot reward them why don't you tell everybody to, to talk about just for a moment what jackpot rewarding is and the benefit yeah so um jackpot rewarding is just sort of a silly nickname that we've <laughs> coined for giving your dog, you know, a big, big, big reward, a bigger reward than what you would normally do. And um, we know that dogs recognize when the rewards are different. So they can tell a yes from a yes to a yes. They can tell that there's a difference um, in your happiness or, you know, their performance based on your reaction. So often if we really like something that we'll see, we will jackpot reward it, which sometimes means we will have like an extra big play with them or we'll give them additional treats. Um, not like all at the same time, but like one treat, two, three, treats three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and we just sort of fire it like a Pez dispenser um, at them to make it a big deal. Or, you know, in agility training, I might food reward something, and if they're really good, I might give them food, and then I would also give them a game of tug, or I would, like, throw the toy and, like, make it a big deal um, so that the dog goes, ah, okay, what I just did, you seem to really like that, so maybe I should try it again. Dogs do, dogs repeat whatever um, they find rewarding. So our job is to reinforce positively uh, things that we like and they need to know the difference between things that we're you know so so with and things that we really really love yeah and this can be fun like you could this can be a really fun um, you know twist on your training so I'm sort of thinking about some of the things we do in our advanced grades so maybe you ask your dog to sit when you're facing away from them yeah. You know, increase your expectations. And if not, you're going to help them to be successful. Maybe you can we like... We also call this like proofing. Yeah, it's proofing. Yeah, mm. it's exactly what it is. You're, you're um, you know, adding some challenges to your training. And when your dog is uh, giving you a, a really enthusiastic response or, you know, when, when you get a snappy sit or a great turn off of a tough distraction, you let them know that that is the, exactly what you want. Yeah. And what you're going to see in turn is a dog who wants to work harder, a dog that loves to train because it's exciting and fun and you are exciting and fun. And I think so many little things in dog training can be fixed if you have a more engaging owner. Yeah, I see this all the time. I'm I'm a pretty loud trainer. 
I can be pretty obnoxious sometimes. Can you guys believe that? <laughs> right? I don't know. Surprises um, me. And I feel bad sometimes when I have my dog in class. I literally just came came from class. I'm, I'm an agility class. Chantel oh Boulder. Dropping the uh, super chat. Thank you for the $1 Chantel. That's really cool. You can light up the train station and uh, you get the swimming corgi. So thank wow, you very you much. That's really, like really so nice. We do appreciate tonight. that. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Thank and you. guess what else you get? You get the train whistle. Oh, Thank wow. you for that the super so chat. <laughs> you guys can see how much I enjoy tooting on the train whistle. It is so much fun. Um, anyways, what I was trying to say was, um, what was I trying to say? <laughs> you don't know. Oh, I was at a class with my own dog, and um, uh, every time she would do something really well, I was like very excited. So I was, you know, screaming and running around and tugging with her and like making a big deal. And a couple of the other dogs in class had a really hard time staying with their owners right. because they were like oh my gosh that lady's like going crazy <laughs> that looks like a lot of fun um because dogs are really attracted to motion and sound and excitement that's why they chase after things that they're generally not supposed to um so we try to bank on that we know they love to chase that we know they love that that type of drive so we try to incorporate that in our training if we can the other thing i was going to say about the increased um expectations and the so the whole proofing thing is another great way that you can um do this is change the location of your distraction so you could like do things where the distraction was um between you and the dog so for example i could like throw a toy out send my dog out to it and then before they get to it i could yell like lie down and see if they could do that even though the toy is right in front of them so i'm really proofing so if they're chasing a deer or they're running away from me really quickly you know wanting to go after something if i ask them to come or lie down or whatever it is i know i can get a response because i can um I can start through that without actually doing it in a real life situation. And, and this isn't forever. I don't know. I don't know if you touched on that, but you don't. I did not. I did you, not touch on that. You know, for us, uh, it's hard. I find that um, I find that especially our male students, for whatever reason, uh, us guys are a little we bit need more to reserved. Be more fun, guys. Yeah, we're a little bit more reserved. And um, I mean, I can't tell. I love you, it when there's guys in class that like really engage yeah, with the, their dogs. It, awesome. You really can unlock that potential uh, in, in a dog who might be a little bit unsure, or that dog that might be like, okay, you know, I'll I'll I'll, re I'll recall or I'll, I'll come to the uh, come command, but I'll, I'm not going to be that excited about it. The moment you get exciting and you you get bubbly, you know, you really um, you know, it seemed to have a spell over your dog they don't think about the other things in the room they're really focused on you which is really really great but it doesn't have to happen forever you don't need to be walking down the street okay good let's go way to go buddy all right wait you know that's that's um, something you do at the <laughs> beginning you know that's something that you're you're doing to get success to get you through the rehearse add distractions and increase your expectation uh, expectations part and maybe occasionally you can throw it back in you can reintroduce some of those yeah. exciting things as you uh, you are uh, you know uh, adding new challenges or whatever the thing is but. do you remember years ago when i was teaching you how to run fly ball and i had to teach you the clap and slap trick yes i do <laughs> i do ken was running one of my border collies and she would come back but then she didn't want to like play with ken because she was like trying to look for me so i had to like show him like the special move that i would do where you have to like clap your hands and slap your legs and clap your hands and slap your legs and he looked at me like i was crazy when i first because he was like seriously you want me to do that and then you did it and she was like she was like in the palm of your hand. Yeah. She oh, like yeah. loved she loved it. that. Yeah. <laughs> Getting great times. It was, it was awesome. Shandy says, uh, it's true. My dog prefers, my dogs prefer Kale's enthusiasm. Oh. 
to mine. <laughs> You're pretty exciting, Shandy. I just I have this like obnoxious squeaky voice, and I think it just like does something crazy no. to dogs. <laughs> no, it's not obnoxious. I did marry you, so you're right. Um, I want to say, Melanie, forever, Mel- forever. <laughs> Ma- Melanie says thanks. Uh, we always have a long line on 100. I will try a dog park for training now. Be careful, Melanie. Make sure I would go to a distance that you know you're going to be successful outside the dog park. Yeah, and then and then gradually introduce some of these challenges because if your dog's already feeling overfaced with uh, you know too many dogs being around, it, it, you want to work in a situation where you can be successful. And then you can, in rehearsal, remember that they are, and rehearse these great things and then start to add more distractions. So, and it sounds, I think she really knows what we're talking about, mm-hmm. but I just want to, I think that's a great point to make for the, uh, for, for some of our other people that are watching. Daryl and Luna, hello guys, guests getting home with Luna. We'll have to watch the replay. Well, thanks for joining us, Daryl. It's uh, always good to see you here. Remove a couple of these guys. Can something. I just jump in for a second? Yep. Um, someone just jumped on and said they're late to the party. Can you explain the train rule again? So yeah. I, I won't like go into detail, but basically you know what? we're... Let's, I, let's get it, to... It's been a while since we've sort of talked yep. about the whole thing. Yep. So we're talking about the idea of, of train. It's sort of an acronym to help you remember sort of the steps that you should go through when you're teaching your dog to do something. So T stands for teach. Obviously, it's an easy one when you're teaching your dog. Oh. Dottie Kirkland. Man. Dropping the super chat. Oh in here, God. lighten up the train station. Here comes the corgi. <laughs> Do we like look extra excited? Yeah, tonight? I know. Like, well, what are we maybe doing? Maybe we are extra excited. What are we doing? T- but right we want to thank you for donating to the train station, yes. and just because of uh, your amazing donation, you're going to get a. There are so many toots in here tonight, I know. guys. I'm tooting all over the place. I can't stop tooting. And there's your swimming corgi. So swimming. thank you very much, Dottie. We really appreciate it. That's really really cool. Thank you for. Uh, for the super chat. Uh, and uh, I, I hope everybody's getting tons of value from this. Yeah. So I, when you mentioned that, we, we have been away from my slides. It took me forever to set these slides up you for you guys. You should show your slides I, again. I'm gonna, yeah, we're going, we're going to, we're going to sl- slide five. And this is the N in your train. Oh, I'm going to have to drop this. Stand by. See, this, this is what happens when I speedily try to get things done. Speedily. Speedily so, get that off So, new places. So, this is, uh, we're talking about different, try lots of different environments. And this is through uh, all levels of the challenge, all uh, parts of your training, all of your distraction, or all of your, uh, yeah, all using all different distractions. But this is also the maintenance phase. Mm-hmm. This is also why it's so important. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Shannon and I were talking about, it's that use it and lose it idea. This is where, with these new places, you can take these skills. So, some, something Kale and I uh, will do is we'll go for a walk with our dogs. And we do that often. We do. And we'll have maybe, you know, one walk, we'll have a bunch of treats with us. And we, you know, we'll reward the dogs for coming in uh, once in a while. But randomly, we'll ask a dog to come. And then they'll come in and they'll get, you know, lots of uh, food reward. But it'll just be random. It won't be every single time. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we won't be in a specific spot on our walk. But we'll practice Keep this stuff. Keep them guessing. For sure, in in the maintenance of your skills, and it, it could be something as simple as the sit or mm. the off or whatever the thing is. Those new places, what, as you're practicing all of these skills, in introducing new challenges and distractions, uh, you know, not only locations, but uh, you know, uh, 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 reinforcing with those higher expectations, with those jackpot rewards when your dog does a great job, and maybe it's just a little bit less excited if your dog does an okay job. Mm-hmm. Talk about that for a second, starting to differentiate. 
Yeah. So when you're working on on something, you know, if sometimes you say come or sit or whatever the situation is, you call their name and they like whip around and they respond like super fast. It's important that you react to that, you know, in a very um, upbeat manner to let them know. But it also means that like, you know, later in the day, if they're sniffing something and they're more distracted and you call them and they take their sweet old time to turn around to, to you, you don't want to then be like, yay, hooray. You need to show your dog that you have a certain expectations. When I call your name or when I ask you to do something, I expect you to do it a certain way every single time. And and if they don't do it the way that you want, then you need to work through that, whether you, you know, follow through with um, a placement or you yeah. redirect them or whatever it might be to, to fix them. But what you don't want to do is get into the habit of repeating the command. Or I see a lot of people say, sit, sit, yeah. hey, sit. Yeah. And then they start speaking to the dog in like a sort of an annoyed tone. Um, an annoyed tone is, I don't know why, I apparently just an randomly got an, an accent. Um, but, you know, that's... What accent was it? I don't know. I okay. really like to speak with an English accent, though. Yeah, it's strange. Um, uh, um So, because I don't want to speak to my dog in, in an irritated voice in order for them to listen to me, it's not very nice. So, uh, yeah, just think about how you're responding. I think it makes a big difference. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say in, in regards to the N for the new places is that one thing that I think it's really important to know ab- about dogs and how they learn is they're very, very situational learners. So, they can learn to do... Um, a behavior in a certain location extremely well and then you could take that exact same dog and that exact same behavior and you could put them somewhere new and sometimes it's like they've never heard it before in their lives and it's not even in that moment that the dog is being obedient or disobedient or jerky or whatever it is it could just mean that their mind's a bit blown and they're in a new location and they're thinking, well, is this the same thing? So when you're just starting out training something new, um, that goes back to our teaching and rehearsing thing um, for T and for R is um, make sure that you're practicing a lot of different locations. And when you go to that new location, even if you made it to like the third progression in like the living room, you're going to go back to the first progression when you go outside rather than assuming that you're going to be at progression three. We want to just start at a base where the dog is going to be mostly successful because that's going to build a stronger understanding and more value for the exercise and then you can make it harder from there but you know if you're thinking to yourself gosh I'm so frustrated my dog's not really responding right now you know I don't really know what the issue is think about the t-r-a-i-n and did you miss anything? Like, did you skip steps? And is that why it's right. not working? Yeah. Because sometimes what happens, you know, lots of times when we have a new behavior, we don't really run into a lot of snags because we're dog trainers and this is our profession, but it's because we really thoroughly go through each of those components of teaching the dog. Yeah, I'm just going to some- put that back up on the screen. Yeah, each of those components of teaching our dog something new. And because we go through those phases very thoroughly, it means that when we get to the end, like that new places where we're taking the show on the road we don't really run into a lot of problems because all of the holes have been filled um and then as you get more experience in dog training what will start to happen and this is something that that i feel is a strength of mine now is that when i start to see a hole in my dog's training or even in my students dog's training i can pinpoint it really quickly and say okay i see a hole forming we need to go back and we need to do this so that we don't get too far along and then go oh no now i gotta go back and now i gotta fix this so as you start to get more experienced you will get better at that you'll start to recognize where the weaknesses are and then you'll be able to address those before going forward you know um this is really interesting and for those of you that are uh 
we have been stated here for the whole show. Here's a little, uh, here's a little, I'm going to drop some knowledge. So we all know if you've taken a psychology course, I like when I, you I set love, things up like this because I, I, I get really I excited. Lo- I love well. psychology uh, and I loved psychology when I was in school. It was something that I really enjoyed. And if you've taken a psychology course. He brainwashed course, me to marry him. You, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, what's that called? <laughs> Actually, you kind of what's did. The, what's that called when you mesmerize somebody? Um, um, hypnotize? Hypn- yeah, hypnotize yeah. you to do it. <laughs> so uh, Ivan Pavlov, we all know uh, about his ring a bell, the dog salivates. Something that, most people don't know, even like psychology professors, because it's just not that uh, applicable to them, was that Ivan Pavlov started to see some of these results. Actually, his experiments were like physiology based. Mm -hmm. They weren't necessarily behavioral. They were actually had more to do with like uh, some of the uh, autonomic responses in in your dog. Mm -hmm. That's besides the point. What I want to speak to is uh, the fact that when he invited some of his colleagues over to uh, view these incredible results he was seeing when the bell would ring, dog would salivate, he uh, brought these uh, people in and he wasn't getting the response. He was doing the exact same tests that he was doing, but he wasn't getting the response from the dog. Same thing would happen when, uh, you know, some of his assistants, they would be setting up these situations, they were doing the training, or they were doing the, the experiments, and they'd say, okay, it's here, it's happening again, and they'd bring uh, Dr. Pavlov in, and the dog wouldn't elicit, it wouldn't get the same response. What he discovered was something uh, that he termed the investigatory reflex, and that's actually an evolutionary trait. So um, your dog, if they don't perform as well in these new environments, uh, when you take them to new places, as you're rehearsing these skills, it's just not going as well. It's not their fault. It's something you know that all dogs naturally do. It's evolutionary to keep them safe. They're very aware of their environment and mm-hmm. their surroundings. And, and you, some dogs more than others. Some, and some dogs more than, others, more than others. For sure. So Hippie Shake, our toy poodle, uh, I mean, she is a predator to most <laughs> to most animals. I and often it, get worried that birds will come and pick right, her up and take her for away. sure. So she is she's a <laughs> so dog small. who is much more she's hyper alert of her surroundings. So that's something that I want you to keep in mind is that uh, you know all dogs. She was the first dogs where like those bumblebees that like hang around the grass, you yeah. know the big ones. Yeah, that was she's the first dog ever that that was a distraction for my right. recall. Yeah, because she was almost the size of her head. I know. Yeah. <laughs> But I want you to keep that in mind. So as we're working through, as you're working through some of these things, it's natural for your dog to get distracted. What you need to do is to uh, rehearse successful uh, repetitions with them, you know, to increase your expectations with them, add distractions, increase expectation, and then take it to new places. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's jump into some of these chats, see some great questions coming in. Now, Marianne, we kind of covered this a little bit. My dog will not come when called. I think I have lost his attention. So I want you, to, uh, Mary, Marianne, to go back to the rehearse part. So if you started teaching this, you need more repetitions. You need lo- hundreds of repetitions before your dog really starts to connect the idea. Repetitions of the teaching phase, though, not yeah. the testing phase. Right, so, absolutely. And just so you guys are clear with what teaching and testing is on a recall, um, teaching is when you set the dog up so that you know they will come. So that means that you, you know, add a little pull on the leash, bef- you know, to make sure that they turn. Or you have food out or a toy out and you're luring them to come to you every single time so that they're not doing it wrong. What a lot of people do is they don't spend enough time on that step and then they just start testing it and they take it out, you know, in the backyard and they say, come. And they assume that, you know, the three times that they've shown them before now all of a sudden and the dog's going to be able to come no matter what. Um, so go back and train the dog a little bit more with more repetitions of doing it successfully. What you cannot rehearse 
is the dog hearing come and then not hop toing and, and running directly to you. So just be careful of that and make sure that you're practicing with your dog on a long line. Um, we recommend for recalls something that's like 20 to 30 feet long so that your dog can have a bit of freedom to run around and play, but they're not actually truly off leash. And if you need to get control of them, you can do that very easily at any time. Mm -hmm. Great. We're going to have to rapid fire this just a little bit. Um, Ronnie Lynn Hemstreet, I went to school for behavior analysis and a lot is based on some of Pavlov's and Skinner's teachings. Yeah, Skinner uh, was a fan of Pavlov's. Um, McCann Dog's method is exactly what I learned about behavior in classes. Yeah, oh, cool. Very cool. Yep. Um, Deborah Kibble. Um, I know that you asked this a while ago, Deborah, but hi from New Zealand. Uh, many thanks for helping me prepare my spoodle pup that arrives in July. Love your work. Well, I'm, I, I'm glad you could join us and we're happy to help you with your puppy. And a hello in New Zealand. I know it's just, be it's turning winter there, I think. Mm -hmm. I have a friend in New Zealand. Uh, yeah, he's in New Zealand and it's I, getting getting colder there. It's their winter, moving into their winter. Don't, I don't think they get winter, do they? Well, yeah, they do. Some 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 areas get quite really? cold. Yeah. I need Bren to learn Brenda more about New Zealand. Broner, yeah. Hi, guys. I have a 16-month-old Yorkie trying to get him adjusted to a steel frame bed. Any suggestions? He can't get on him by himself. And I saw Dan, our incredible moderator, man. He did some follow-up questions to, to see uh, if uh, Deborah, uh, Brenda thought it was fear-based. Mm. And she thought he might be a little bit worried about it. So how would you introduce that bed to her, her, her puppy? Uh, I don't really know what the bed means. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe it's elevated. How would you do, introduce a dog to like something that they were a little bit worried about? Um, well, just speaking specifically to this, I don't know if I would, if you have a... Um, a little Yorkie, I don't know, but a steel frame. Oh, did I send that up on bed. the screen? Maybe use something like a little bit softer so that it's a bit more encouraging for the dog to get on. Um, but if the, if a dog is worried about anything, the easiest thing to do is to um, see if you can lure the dog up with some food so that the dog is... Um, getting on and they're more distracted by getting the food and if they're not that interested in the food then you can do it you know when they're really hungry or use a really high value reward um take the legs off the bed so that it's yeah. flat on the ground that so that it's a bit more achievable um find a way to make it easier and then build the dog's confidence and then slowly bring it up into whatever height or location or yeah, formation make it easier. Make it easier. that uh, that you want but if, if it's what like teaching a fly ball so, box almost. yeah yeah exactly yeah um i want to say uh we'll see you shandy shandy's leaving the stream i uh, thank you for the super chat that was really really nice um sarah such sachiko sachiko uh i have a dog uh, who has good training and i want to get a puppy i've heard that a puppy may make the other dog jealous how can i avoid this uh, sarah we have the perfect video for you and dan if you could um if you could drop this in the chat it's uh, uh if you search mccann dogs how to introduce your puppy to your other dogs mm -hmm. we have a quite a, a, a thorough video talking about that but I love the idea that you're sort of thinking about their relationship because first mm -hmm. things first you need to build value for you you need to teach your puppy that you are worth listening to that you everything great comes from you before you introduce it to your older dog mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily something as much a, a jealousy but there is you will struggle if you uh, put the two of them together right away you're going to have much more success if you um, really uh, focus your time on your puppy and your puppy's time on you. Mm -hmm. Question of the day. I, I like this one. I added it because it reminded me of one of our dogs. Uh, 
Tona Johnson says, uh, whenever I play tug with my pit pup, he sh- starts shaking his, he- his head mm-hmm. violently. Is this normal? I love, we smile because <laughs> we have dogs that do the exact same thing. And I always think it's so funny when they yeah. get like this. So just talk about that for a second. Hummer was even better. Whenever o- o- Yeah, it's um, a lot of dogs will do it. They're just trying to kill it. It's It doesn't really mean anything bad. It's just the dog's having a lot of fun. Yeah. We actually encourage our dogs to tug like really intensely uh, because they really enjoy it and it makes the the game of tug more valuable especially if we're doing it with the dog um, and of course we'll implement some control aspects to it like you know letting them only grab the toy on a command and teaching them to give the toy up to us when we ask them as well but when you've actually given the permission to play with the toy and you guys are tugging together let them go crazy it's so fun uh, but just make sure that you also can stop the puppy and calm them down and you can even start with um, doing a bit of a food trade so when the puppy has the toy in its mouth try to immobilize the toy and then offer a food trade just to get the puppy comfortable with giving things up but uh, no it's not a bad thing though Daryl and Luna, number one uh, challenge is counter surfing, but I think it's our fault. We've got to work harder at it. Yeah, and Daryl, I do have, there's a, a video on the channel that will help you out to show you some of those progressions. Uh, it's going to take some supervision and some consistency, but I know you can get there. I know Luna's really smart. Um, let's get to Melissa. She said, when Stormy and I returned to classes a couple weeks ago, uh, it was like being in a new place for him. It took a bit to settle in. Hmm. Yeah, this is a great example yeah. about how you bring those skills and you start applying the, the T-R-A-I-N to those scenarios that you're working yeah, on. Yeah, especially if you're like in a new hall or yep. maybe a new class of dogs and the dogs are trying to figure out the dynamic of the room. Yeah, it's and so that's why it's good to, to get back to class and to do different uh, different locations and things. Now, we need... we. We're, I, we're on expediting this, but I thought this question was great from Lamb Chop. My six-month-old Doxy has stopped responding unless he chooses. The key, he watches my hand in my pocket. When he sees my hand move to my pocket, he responds. Now, this is Smart dog. This is super, super common, Lamb Chop. So common. And it has to do with um, how you're giving him the information. So if you're always going into your pocket first, then saying your command, what do you think the cue is going to become to him? Or you've got a piece of food out, and then you say the cue. He's going to be so distracted by that piece of food that this is his focus not this so every time you're teaching him a new skill a new behavior even if you have to backstep even even if it's just one skill maybe he doesn't uh, whatever doesn't whatever the thing is but every all his other skills are great you may have accidentally conditioned him that this is now the cue or going into your bait pouch or into your pocket is the cue for something and then he'll give you attention what you need to do is make sure you have a line on and be able to follow up help him to be right let's say it's the sit or it's a respond uh, to you you need to be able to turn him back your way and then you know encourage him in whatever the thing is you need to replace him in a sit and show him how to be right and then after a few seconds you can reward him but make sure you're not giving him that information out of order Mm -hmm. jessica mcclung and i know jessica had uh asked a question earlier on the channel and i wanted to jump in this one i did not have you in my life when we got our second dog and uh, and in his eyes our oldest dog is more important to him than us is there anything i can do to help this or is it too late um it's not too late, but it. I'm not going to lie, it's harder now. It's definitely yeah, harder. But not impossible because no. we have fixed some of these types of situations. Yeah, we've, we've ourselves gotten, um, you know, older dogs. We actually got a dog at nine years old one time that we had to sort of re- reroute his lifestyle. Um, the thing that would be really helpful, but this is going to take a lot of work, so you need to be willing to do it, is separation. So try to separate the second dog from the older dog in in, in, in 
as many situations as you can. Have them sleep differently. Walk them separately. Um, You know, take one dog on a car ride. Don't take the other dog. Take one dog to the park. Don't take the other dog. Um, Spend some really quality time with that second dog. You need to build a stronger relationship. Um, It is extremely common for people to get um, a second dog or a third dog and not be as successful with them because they just let that dog just spend all its time with the older one and then they bond so quickly and now you know you're not an, an, an important part of their life anymore so um separation is really important it's it's extremely helpful it is a big pain in the butt because it's a ton of work um but it's not a forever thing it's just a temporary thing until you start to see um you know your your bill your bond start to build uh, between you and the dog and it's pretty easy to see it happen um but that would be that would be our suggestion when we get a new dog um, our puppies don't really spend any time with our older dogs for like the first several months of their right. life. Yeah, um, it's just I mean, all they, about us. We we do when they get to a certain point, we will take them out on our walks with all of our other dogs. But yep. that puppy will be on leash or a line so that they can stay close to us. And we're constantly calling yeah, them back. Yeah, away really from the building other dogs. the reinforcement because yeah. imagine what you're placing all the value on. Those dogs know how to communicate with each other, and they're especially if you have uh, like a, a herding breed or you know a sight hound or one of those dogs that like loves to see motion. Uh, uh, that's a pretty valuable thing. Just the the moving is a valuable thing. So you need to be more valuable than that when you call. Yeah. So uh, really focus on that those things. Now, we are. Um, I I told Kale that I wouldn't keep her any longer than eight thirty uh, because she's got she's preparing for this huge seminar that she's got this weekend and she has to go back over to the uh, leave the studio head back over to the agility arena to get it ready. But I think we had a pretty successful train station, totally. and uh, uh, we had some amazing questions. Um, I love this topic. Yeah, this is one of my you favorite ones so far. And I'm so pumped. You guys uh, ask great questions, and uh, you know I can't thank you guys enough for that. I especially want to thank everybody that dropped uh, a super chat uh, into the uh, into the train station. Uh, it was so much fun seeing the lights uh, go off in the train station, and then seeing the swimming corgi. It's kind of fun for me. You know what the most fun part is though? Dropping this. <laughs> Kale loves it. Can you tell? <laughs> if this is your first time on the channel, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We publish new videos every single week to help you to have a well-behaved four-legged family member. A huge thank you to our moderator, Dan the Man Luton. Uh, Dan, we, we appreciate all that you're doing and dropping uh, links in the chat. Fear Fathom Gaming, I, we, I'm going to go offline and I want you to drop that question in a uh, in the comments uh, and I can answer it there if you drop it in the comments uh, after this video renders, but I will definitely answer thank it. Thank you. On that note, I want to wish you guys happy training. Uh, I'm Ken. I'm Kel. Bye for now, guys. See you later. See ya. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Train Station Replay. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, be sure to join us live on our YouTube channel at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursdays. Until then, happy training.